Hebrews chapter 2, uh, starting in verse 5. Good, good stuff here. It says, uh, It is not to angels that he has subjected the world to come. Um, I'm going to pause there just for a moment. I'm going to tell you before we even jump in, there's a reason it says that. Okay, It says that because the driving belief here is that the world that is, is subjected to angels. The world that is, is subjected to angels. It says it is not to angels that he has subjected the world to come, about which we are speaking. But there is a place where someone has testified, uh, what is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you care for him. You made him a little lower than the angels. You crowned him with glory and with honor and put everything under his feet. In putting everything under him, God left nothing that is not subject to him. Yet at present, we do not see everything subject to him. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. Now, i, I got to stop and explain before we get in. Okay, there's some things that are going to freak you out. It says, now we see Jesus, who's made a little lower than the angels. Okay, first it says we, we see man who is a little lower than the angels. That's us. That's man. We're man, right? Okay, so we're mankind. It says mankind meant to rule. Currently, we don't see that. And it says, but we do see Jesus made lower than the angels. That's, that's temporarily. Now, what does that mean, lower than the angels? Well, one, we're made in the image of God. Uh, the Bible doesn't say that the angels are. But remember, w- w- what's the deal? We have physical bodies. Angels are spiritual beings. So they can, they, you know, they can, they can get after it. They can get after it. Now, they can only be in one place at one time, okay? But they're spiritual beings, okay? And so they move faster, all those kind of things. Uh, and, and, and powerful, powerful creatures. So it says, made a little lower than that. We, us, us physical beings, but we're created in the image of God, so we're special, right? And then it says, and Jesus made a little lower than angels. That freaks some people out. People, people honestly think sometimes that Jesus is an angel. Well, Jesus must be, must be an, uh, the, the archangel Michael, maybe. I mean, he's got to be a little lower. No, 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 my friends. Jesus came to earth and humbled himself, though uh, he, he was God. He did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, Philippians 2. And, and he came and became a man. This lower than the angels is a very temporary thing for Jesus. 33 years, folks. 33 years, okay? And these crowned in glory, all things are under his feet, okay? Just, I just want to get it out of the way so you can understand it. So verse 9, but we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels, now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death, get this, for everyone. In bringing many sons to glory, that's us, It was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the author of their salvation perfect through suffering. Both the one who makes men holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers. He says, I will declare your name to my brothers in the presence of the congregation. I will sing your praises. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, he says, here am I and the children of God uh, and the children that God has given me. Um, so the angels are back and, and, and with the angels comes all kinds of misthoughts and misgivings about them. And, and here's the assumption that our author is facing, ready? So here's the assumption, okay? Since everything currently uh, is, is under what we would call the rule of the angels. Now, we had a good discussion in Sunday school. Does that mean us? We're talking about the, the, the earth, okay? The earth and, and everything in it. 
um, that, that since that's the way that it is now, uh, is that is that that's surely going to be the way that it is um, when the new world comes, when the new world. And again, we see this in verse five. It's not to angels that he has subjected the world to come. So so the assumption is that because the world currently is that way, that the world to come will be that way. And and so our author addresses that assumption. He does it head on. And I love it because he basically says uh, just, you know, if we're going to speak just frankly here. He says just because it's that way now doesn't mean it's going to be that way. All right. Just because that's may ha- that may be true now, but that's not how it's gonna be. Let me tell you how it's it's gonna be. His response is classic, and he says the reason um, that it's it's not gonna be that way is because Jesus has come to restore all things. Jesus has come to restore all things, and so that is our message this morning. That's our theme. That's our banner. I want you to understand that Jesus is a better restorer. And yes, I did Google it, and that really is a word. I didn't make it up, okay? So if, if you look up some of the greatest art galleries in the world, you'll see that they have on staff somebody that uh, literally their title says something like fine arts restorer. Jesus is a better restorer, and I want to tell you why. Two really big reasons. Number one, Jesus is a better restorer because Jesus restores our dominion. Jesus restores our Dominion. Now, I asked uh, my Wednesday night kind of prayer Bible study group this question, and, and here's the question. I'll put it to you. Do not answer it out loud. You can think this in your head. You can let it marinate for a little bit. But here's the question. Have you ever felt like you were made for more than this? Have you ever felt like you were made for more than this? Made for, some would even say, made for more than this vain existence. Have you ever felt like, like, like you were created for, for something greater, for something more than this? Made for for more than the life you're currently experiencing. What if I told you you were? What if I told you that undeniably you were and I could prove it to you this very moment as we open God's word together? Let's just do that, okay? Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. If you want to know what you're created for, you should probably go back to when you were created. It's just a good rule of thumb. Genesis 1, starting in verse uh, 26. Let's read it together. Genesis 1, 26, 26 says, uh, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and, and let them, get this, rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God. He created him, male and female, he created them. Verse 28, God blessed them and he said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. Get this rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Now, that word rule, in verse 26 and verse 28, it's a Hebrew word. It, it, mean, it means to rule, but, but it also means have dominion. To, to, to have dominion. And, and, and guys, this is car, part of, of God's original intent for mankind. You say, well, why am I here? What, what's the purpose? Like, why did God make me? Well, here's the answer. God made you to rule over the earth. This is, this is part of, of why you're created. So, so in God's design, His intent is that man who is made in His own image will, will rule the earth. And we see this again in Genesis 2.15, right? Genesis 2.15, it says, The Lord God took the man and He put him in the Garden of Eden to work it 
and, and to take care of it. He, he put him there to oversee it, to take care of it. This is a place of, of great responsibility. You say, well, how much responsibility really is this? What kind of ruling the earth are we talking about? Well, if you want to know like how serious God is about our job, uh, you, you look at what God does with all, every living creature. He takes every living creature according to the Bible before Adam and he lets Adam name them. Like, check this out. This is, this is good stuff. Genesis uh, 2, 19 through 20 it says, Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all of the wild animals and all of the birds in the sky. Now he brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And, and whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, to the birds in the sky, and to all the wild animals. Now, evidently, Adam took this job pretty seriously because he came up with pretty good names, right? I mean, he named the pig Pig, right? Now, if it were me, that dude would have been named Bacon. I lie to you not, right? And the cow was cow. It wasn't like Faith. Every time she sees a cow, it's not a cow. It's, Daddy, look, a moo. I'm like, no, darling, that's a cow. It makes a moo, but it's a cow. It also makes milk and, and wonderful ribeyes. And... um. And so, you know, we walk through those kind of things. We would have probably named things, but Adam's taking it very seriously. Now, why does God bring these animals before Adam? Why would, why would God let man have a say in what these creatures are going to be named? I'll tell you, because God wants him intimately familiar with them because it is his job to rule them. It is his job to rule them. Ever, ever known somebody that was in a family business? Anybody know anybody like that? I, my, my father wanted me to take over his business for years. And I do mean years. And here was the deal. Uh, one, I, I just didn't want to do industrial painting and sandblasting. Um, two, I knew what taking over the family business meant. It meant that you had to know every nook and cranny. That you had to start like sandblasting things and prepping things. And you had to know how long it... You had to, you had to go through all of that. Hear me. God's intent, God's design, he wants Adam intimately familiar with all things because man is created to, to rule, to have dominion over the earth. Now... What happened? If that's who we were made to be, if that's what we're created for, if that's who God designed us to be, um, how did we get here? Because let's face it, we're not anywhere close to that. How did we get here? Well, the answer is found, of course, in Genesis chapter 3, when we call that the fall of man. Genesis chapter 3, uh, evidently Adam and, and Eve, um, evidently ruling the earth wasn't enough for them, Right? Ruling the entire uh, earth was not an, enough for them. They wanted to be like God. They, they, they wanted to have his knowledge. And, and you say, oh, the man, Adam and Eve, gosh, they're terrible people. Really? Because you are the same way. See, see, because ruling the earth wasn't enough, they needed to know what tomorrow would hold. They wanted to know how all the little steps would fit together. This is, this is our problem, isn't it, friends? I and mean, this is why people come to me first. I just wish God would show me exactly how things are supposed to work out. Well, that's not called faith, okay? We're called to live by faith. And, and so Adam and Eve, that's what they wanted. They wanted that knowledge of God. They wanted to know how it all was going to fit together. They wanted, they wanted great knowledge. And so, so they sinned. And the moment that they sinned, the consequences of sin entered the world and death entered the world. And, and, and the consequence was terrible and the results were horrible. And Genesis 3, 13 through 19 lists some of those. And this is what it says. It says, then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you've done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. And so the Lord God said to the serpent, because you've done this, cursed are you above all the livestock and all the wild animals. You'll crawl on your belly and you'll always eat the dust all the days of your life. And I'll put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel to the woman. He said, I will greatly increase your pains in childbearing. Thank you, Eve. With pain, you will give birth to children. 
Oh, they're so cute. Right? I mean, you'd think with all that pain, they wouldn't come out looking like an alien. You know what I'm saying? I mean, like, like at least come cleaned off at that point. I'm, I, they're awesome, right? But like mine, it took them a couple of weeks for their head looked normal again. And, and it's a good, but I wasn't their mom. So, you know, mom was, she was, it was all good. Increase their pain. Goes on, listen to the rest of this. It says, your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. It says something about the equality of which God had designed. Something has happened. To Adam, he said, thank you, Adam. Because you listened to your wife and you ate from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat of it. All the days of your life it will produce thorns and thistles for you. And you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow you would you will eat your food until you return to the ground. Since from it you were taken. So here's the, here's the picture if you want the big overview. And that's all we really have time for. The overview is that though you were created for dominion. You were meant to rule the earth, because of sin, the earth, my friends, now pretty much rules you. It, 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 the tables have turned. And this thing which you were designed to have dominion over now really owns you. And you think about it, we see this every day, right? Men, men spend, spend lifetimes learning and, 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 and years and years building something. One act of nature wipes it out in a second. The earth rules you. It rules me. Now, let me ask you this. Who administers all that in such a world like that? Like, like who, who's, who, who, who takes care of the, the comings and the goings? Who's overseeing this thing? Since, since we're clearly not doing what God has created us to do, who is fulfilling that role? And the Bible's answer would be, seemingly, the angels are. The angels are. Listen to what Jesus says about Satan uh, he says this a couple times, John twelve thirty one and John fourteen thirty. He calls him the prince of this world. That word prince in Greek, it means ruler. Satan, the ruler of this world. Paul uh, describes Satan this way, 2 Corinthians 4, 4. Little g here. The God of this age... Has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Or God is theos, and typically we would translate that exactly that God, but it can also mean the magistrate or the administrator, the administer. It's another word for ruler. And here's the point, okay? And I love John MacArthur kind of makes this point. The world in which we currently live in. We know that something is off. Here's what's off. The people in our place, the things in our place, okay, are basically holy angels and fallen angels. And that is the world. And, 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 and that's what's going on. That, 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 that's who has dominion right now. Not the ability to make you do anything, but domin- you think of creation and how, how bad things are getting. You, you look at the world, it just seems like it's all coming to an end. What, what's going on? There's holy war, my friends. The Bible says this, right? Our, our, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the spirits and the, the principalities of this dark world. And so John MacArthur puts it this way. He says, currently, 
The earth is now in the hands of both fallen and holy angels, which of course live in conflict with one another constantly. And we wonder why the world seems like chaos. Okay? But there's good news. Here's your good news. Even though that may be the case now, that's not the way it's going to be. That's not the way it's going to be. In the world to come, Jesus is going to restore all things. And one of the things that he's going to restore is is our place, okay? Hebrews 2, uh, verse 6. This is a quote from Psalm 8. David speaking, what is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you, you, you care about him. David is looking at all the blessings of God. He's looking at all of creation. And he's going, wow, God. What? Wow. Who am I that you would love me like this? Like, what is man that you would be mindful of man even? He's, he's asking this, this question. He says, you made him a little lower than the angels. You crowned him with glory and honor. And you put everything under his feet. And putting everything under him, God left nothing that is not subject to him. Yet at present, we don't see everything subject to him. Friend, in the world to come, man's dominion is going to be restored. We're going to rule over the earth with Christ as our king. Now, you may think that doesn't mean anything for you, but let me translate it. It means you're really important. Okay? Don't get prideful and, and haughty. Don't, don't like, oh, well, yeah, I always knew I was really important. That's not what I mean. I mean, God really loves you, and he has a significant task for you. See, some of you walk in, the, and the truth is you, you come in church every Sunday, and the truth is you just don't feel like a significant person. You don't feel important. You don't feel important to your spouse. You don't feel uh, like you're, you're important. You know, you make an important contribution to society. I mean, you, you just kind of feel like junk all the time. And the Bible would say you're not junk at all. In fact, God has a great role for you to play in his awesome, amazing, unfolding story and that role is that of a ruler. And Jesus has come to restore that rightful place, that rightful role. You do have significance. You do have meaning in Christ. Okay, so we start there. So Jesus restores our dominion. Secondly, though, even 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 better, in my opinion, and man, you're gonna, I'm, I'm gonna throw a couple of verses at you. Maybe you've never read before. Just some good good stuff. Um, Jesus doesn't just restore our dominion. Jesus restores our distinction. Jesus uh, restores our our distinction. And and verse 6 and 8, again, What is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? You made him a little lower than the angel. You crowned him with glory and honor, and you put everything under his feet. And and just crowned with glory, right? Crowned with glory, but it goes on, yet at the present we do not see it. So I'm going to go back to my original question for a second. Um, Have you ever felt like you were made for more than this? And now we kind of know, yes, yes, we have, we know where we're going with that. So here's the follow-up question I asked Wednesday Night Crew, and I'll ask you again. What if I told you that something like crazy happened at the hospital when you were born? Now, one of my Wednesday Night ladies was like, well, I wasn't born in the hospital. And I was like, I don't want the story. I don't want to know. I don't I don't want to know, but but she wasn't born in a hospital. I was like, well, what if me, Ma, swapped you out, okay? Uh, whatever it was. Here's the deal, but, but just imagine, what if I told you, I mean, you just think, if I told you you'd lived your whole life and, 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 and the truth was that you, you know, you grew up in kind of meager means and you had a house and you had parents and they kind of kept you fed and, but you always just had this, you had this thing inside you, you always felt like you were created for more. And what if I came to you and I said, you know what, that thing inside of you where you've always felt like you were made for more, you're completely accurate. You are made for more. In fact, the truth is that you were switched at birth and you are actually royalty. 
You're a prince. You're a princess in waiting. What if I told you? Like, you'd kind of be like, yeah, whatever, whatever. That's the truth, guys. That is not far from the gospel truth of Scripture. Basically, that your true identity is that of royalty. If you don't believe me, look at Romans 8, 17. Gorgeous verse. Romans 8, 17. Paul writes this. He says, now, if we're children, then we are heirs, right? Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, uh, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Now, what does that mean? Who is Christ? Well, Christ is the King of kings. He is the Lord of what? Lords. Okay? Which would make you, which would make you a co-heir with the king, which would make you royalty, my friends. Would make you royalty. You were switched at birth, I tell you. If you don't believe me, I want you to see this one. Now, this is going to shock you. Um, how many of you had read the book of Revelation before? Come on. Okay, I, I promise you, you probably missed this verse. Ready? Revelation 3.21. This is, this is, whoo. To the one who is victorious, another translation says, to the one that overcomes. Jesus is speaking this. He says, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne. Just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. You, can we read that again? Because that's like, whoa! I mean, this, if you're the tattoo, this is it. Ready? Okay. Me, prince, me, princess, me, royalty. Like, check it out. Sitting on a throne, craziness. To, to the one who is victorious, I'm going to give the right to sit with me on my throne just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. This is Jesus, the perfect lamb. This is Jesus, the sinless savior who has come and he has lived and he has served and he has been nailed to the cross for our sins and he is crying out from the cross, right? Not just my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But eventually he cries out a, a last breath and he says it is what it is finished and when he says finish the curtain is torn in two and there is no separation and we all have access to God and then the Bible says that Jesus who has finally fulfilled his role as our high priest once and for all with his own blood has sprinkled us and made us clean forever sits down at the right hand of God he sits down because it is finished and that means that you and I one day when we overcome follow me one day we're going to get to sit down with Jesus and breathe that breath and say, God, it is finished. Hallelujah, praise and glory. Amen? Now, I'm, I'm evidently the only struggler in the building. The rest of you may have this all figured out, but I'm telling you, I cannot wait for the peace. I can't wait to take that exhale. I cannot wait. And, and the fathom to think that I have a right in Christ as royalty to sit on a throne. With, friends, I'm just going to be honest with you. In that day, I think it's going to be enough to sit down, right? I mean, you follow me? I mean, you know where I'm headed. I mean, I'm just going to be so relieved to finally sit down, right? I mean, to, to go, oh my gosh, sin is done, right? To say, oh my gosh, there is no more cancer here. To, to sit down and say, listen, you know what? There's, there, there's no more gossip. There is no more worry. I don't, I don't have to provide anything. It's, it's no longer on me. There is no, there's no stress here to sit down and to exhale. To have a seat is enough. But then to sit down and look at my companion in the face and to see my Savior, I'm done. I am done. It is finished, the Bible says. And this is our moment. This is what the Bible says. In Christ, you are royalty. It is finished and I'm finished. Whew. If that doesn't floor you, something's wrong with you. You've got to get your heart made new. 
Take that heart of stone, ask Jesus to make it beat again. Jesus is better because he restores. He restores us completely. Not just our dominion, but our distinction. Crowned with glory. Tell you, you're a son of the king. You're a daughter of the king. The king of kings. And you will reign the coming world with him as your sovereign king of kings. What on earth do the people of God do when they start understanding some truth like that? <laughs> like, like, you know what I'm saying? I mean, that's like, you, they, you ever go to a movie and you watch it and it's just so like, ah, that everybody else gets up and you're just in a dark theater now and you still can't move? What, what on earth do we do when we understand some kind of truth like that? I'm not going to tell you what to do. I'm going to share my prayer for you instead, okay? So here's a few prayers I have for you this week. Number one, I pray that you will be faithful in the little things. You say, why, Pastor? Well, here's the deal. If what we just studied is true, and one day you are meant to rule and have dominion, then you better get ready, right? I mean, read the Bible cover to cover. The great men of God, the great women of God got this, that this life is a training ground. That's what this life is. This is the race. This is, this is, I beat my body and make it my slave, Paul says, right? I, I, I go into strict training, he says. That's what we're doing. We're just training for, for the next life. Now, now again, here's the deal. This, this isn't magic. I, I, I did youth ministry 10 years, and I love kids with all my heart. I, I love their responsiveness. And I would just, I, I would look at my teenagers and go, okay, hey, you know, Jonah, I want you to write down the dream. I, I mean, the whole dream, like, like in life, like, what is your big dream? You know, I, I want a wife and some kids, and I want to be a good dad, and I want to be a good husband, and I, I want to, you know, write music that everybody buys, and I think it'll be awesome, and I'm going to be a composer for movies, or, you know, whatever. I mean, whatever that dream is, you put it on paper, right? And I used to have kids that they would write all this stuff down. Man, I, well, well, of course, you know, I want, a, I want a beautiful, hot-smoking wife, and, you know, these are the guys, and, and man, I, I want a great job that pays a lot of money, and I want a nice car, and I want a nice house and you know I'm going to be a good dad I'm not going to be like my dad I'm like okay that's great that's awesome but you know what you're failing three subjects right now so don't don't think that one day you'll wake up and magically have that great job if you can't make it through high school now because you don't get to just wake up one day and then start doing your homework. You've got to start today, my friend. You know, I look at him and say, great, oh, you want to be a great dad? That's awesome. Oh, oh, you want to be a great husband first? That's cool. But you better get off the pornography on your computer. Because guess what? You, you, you end up leaving your wife is what's going to happen. That's where you're headed. Because you're not going to just wake up one day and be a faithful old chap. Right? You, you don't get to wake up one day and suddenly be a good dad if, if, if you don't work on what it means to be faithful and to be there and to be present. Those are things you have to work on daily. Hear me. If you and I are meant to rule, then shouldn't we be taking this thing called life a little bit more seriously? Shouldn't we be living intentionally as if we truly took God at his word? Be faithful in the little things. Jesus said it this way. You remember the parable of the talents? Kind of a big deal. Uh, he sums up the, the parable of the talents. He says, his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been given uh, or you've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many. 
If I told you tonight that uh, you were going to have to go home and tomorrow morning you were going to have to take a test of great importance and it would affect the very rest of your life, I promise you would ask me what that test was over and you would go home and study. If I told you that tomorrow you would start a new job and from the moment that you entered the office, from the moment that you entered in, what you knew about the company at that very second would set the tone for who you would be in that new job, in that new career. I promise you would be on the internet. You would know everything about the CEO. You would know everything about the mission and the vision and the organization. You would walk in prepared. I am telling you, there is a God and He is real. I'm telling you that there is judgment and it is coming. And then I'm telling you that the people of God will rule this thing called a new earth. And it is coming And I just wonder, will we be ready? Will we be ready for that responsibility? For that day that God hands those things over to us? And so I would encourage you, would you be faithful in the little things? Man, I'll just be honest. For me, this breaks down even thought by thought. I've found if I want to be faithful in my marriage, I've got to be faithful in even the littlest thoughts of my day. Same is true for you. Be faithful in the little things, okay? Number two, my second prayer for you this week is that you would learn to treat one another as royalty. This changes things. You've heard it said, love your neighbor as yourself, right? I mean, that's kind of a big deal. Love, love your neighbor as yourself. Well, well, who are you in Christ? Royalty. So, so you got you to gotta get that. Why, who am I in Christ? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm royalty. Like, I'm a princess. I'm, I'm a prin- so now go love somebody like that. This is what I expect when some hairy-legged boy comes knocking on my door trying to date my daughter, right? Boy, 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 listen. One thing, you come back when you're a young man and we'll talk, all right? Door shut, okay? Come back as a young man. All right, hairy-legged young man. Who do you see my daughter as? Well, she's just beautiful and she's really smart. No, sir. Goodbye. Right? Come back. What do you want to do? Wait, wait, yeah, who's, who's my daughter? I, well, she, well, you know, she's just my best friend. Good try. See you later. Do you know who she is? No, she's not you or anything. She is my princess. That's who she is. When you come to my door, you say, sir, could I take your princess out? Sir, I will open the door of her chariot. Sir, I will pull out the seat for her. Sir, I won't let her feet get muddy. Do you understand me, young man? Are we, are we, are we now talking the same business? You see what we're saying? I mean, and, and, and hear me, I'm not talking about being an overprotective dad. Guys, we fail the world in this. Jesus says we are to love our neighbor as ourself. Who are we? We're royalty. If Jesus loved you so much to make you a co-heir, then how can you love others so little that you walk past them, that you don't see their importance, that you don't invest in their lives? See, that's real. You want to unlock eternity here on earth? Every single person you look at, especially the ones that drive you nuts. Choose to see Jesus in them. Choose to see beauty in the brokenness. Choose to love them in spite of who they are. One of the hardest lessons as a foster parent for us was getting ready for visits. When we had to take faith over to see a a bio parent. And uh, one of the things that we did, and, and Hope was awesome, she would always take pictures of Faith as she was growing and changing, and she would write just paragraphs on the back about all kinds of things, you know. And, and it, was, it, was, 
it was it was so, so, so difficult because we knew the backstory. We knew why she was in our care. Guess what? We all have to love that way. We all you know what? You think you're surrounded by great people. There are no great people in our world. We are all broken, messed up individuals. And, 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 and yet, God says that the people that he sees are future sons and daughters and heirs, princes and princesses, and we're called to love them like that. It's a big deal. See them like that, okay? Uh, ladies, by the way, uh, if you think the whole princess thing only applies to my daughter, come try to date my sons. All right? You better show up fully clothed. I love you in Jesus. I love you in Jesus. You better you better have on some glass slippers. I'm telling you, the standards don't change. Lastly, my last prayer for you. I pray that because of all this, that you would treasure Jesus all the more. <laughs> that you would treasure him for all that he has done and all that he will do, that he is your restorer. <laughs> 